0: Hi everyone, welcome back to Success Clinic, where our priority is to empower dreamers with the necessary resources to attain the pinnacle of their God-given potential. You are listening to another episode of our podcast, Debriefing with the Dope Doctors, with yours truly, the Dope Doctor, Daniel Oluwagwimilekepukwola. We are in the studio with Judge Jahar Pritchin again, Chief Judge of the City of Buffalo, New York, and she also happens to be the first female to occupy this prestigious seat and also a powerful black woman. In the first part of this three-part episode, we listen to how her path in law was inspired by her assigned attorney for the child at the age of five and how she has managed to stay the course despite our incredible humble beginnings. For more on that episode, listen on our website at www.success-clinic.com, or you can also listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, and Stitcher. Today we are honored to have her back in the studio with us, where she's about to go into the more serious part of this conversation. Sharing with us the grit, the challenges, and the obstacles that she had to overcome on the journey to impact life. With no further ado, please welcome with me to the studio today, Her Honor Judge Jahar Preet.
1: Thank you for having me back.
0: So. Let's get to business. During your swearing in um, as the first male judge of Buffalo, and black for that matter, what was going through your mind when you made the statement, how could a girl who grew up on Cole Street, a girl who lived on Carr Street, a grew up in the Ken Bailey area become chief of Buffalo City Court?
1: I mean, honestly, I was just so humbled to stand there and accept that appointment from Mayor Brown. Um, I have not been in the position a year yet, so there are still times where I still pinch myself and say, am I really sitting in this uh, capacity, in this seat? But I think on that day, it was more so a date of reflection, uh, sitting and initially just listening to what was being said, and then standing in the front and looking out in the gallery and seeing my mom there, my grandmother, my two daughters, and my husband, it makes you really just put things into perspective. And like I said, um, you know, I, I grew up on Coit Street, Carl Street, and then ultimately we lived in the Kim Bailey area. And and. Where we grew up at in terms of Kim Bailey, there were people who owned their homes and there were people who obviously had, you know, decent jobs. But walking to school, they had a gang BSP, Bailey Street Posse. And, and there would be times where bad things would happen. So I, I think, honestly, in that moment, it was just the realization that a person who looked like me, a person who came where I came from, could really and I, I said this before it's nothing but the grace of god that i went from coit street to the courthouse mm. like it's really like i said i haven't been in the position a year yet i'm just shy of a year
0: from coit street to the courthouse and that's my I story love that. <laughs> that's I love my story that, um thank you for sharing that i think uh, for the for the sake of people because we are thankful that this the podcast cuts across not only Buffalo, Mm -hmm. but has cut across the entire country and even international uh, audience. And um, for those who are not familiar with the east side of Buffalo, Mm -hmm. the west side of Buffalo, the Fruit Belt, could you give us a little more clarification as to the picture of where you grew up?
1: So I, the funny thing is, I I'm just laughing at because this segment is called the grit, right? Mm-hmm. So Koi and Carl, it's gritty, you know, and you come out of downtown Buffalo or even the East Side for that matter.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I, I and I love Buffalo. So this is not to say anything to discredit the city of Buffalo. I am a true Buffalonian. I I told you all before. I was born and raised there. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when you go out and your environment, things just look depressing. Mm -hmm. And I think I told you all when I recently took my daughters to Carl Street and you go down the street and my house is no longer there. And -hmm. then there's many, many empty lots. Mm -hmm. And I get it. You know, people move or if someone passes away and the property has to be. Um, torn down. Like I, I understand that things happen, but when you talk about coming from a gritty area,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's exactly what Carl and Coit Street represents for me. But again, I, I have to put the disclaimer. I, I do love Buffalo, and there's great things happening. I think for me, it's always important to remember where you came from. Yes, it helps you stay rooted and grounded, even if it's not your current reality. It's still other people's reality.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I'm a proud believer in remember where you grew up. You know, my parents, Yoruba would say, which basically means remember the child of whom you are. Mm. Wherever you go, no matter how far, how many thousands of miles across the globe that you go, you never forget your base. That's good. And it's very impressive that you took the time to take your daughters back to where you grew up. Mm -hmm. Because it helps them to remember and to know where mommy came from.
1: It's important.
0: The next question is, are you able to inspire us by sharing how many times you almost or actually failed on this journey?
1: (laughs) It's too many to count, but I will tell you one of the biggest things for me is the first time I took the buyer exam... So I took a class, peeper, and they say, peeper, peeper, pass, peeper, people, pass, whatever the slogan was. And I paid maybe $2,500 for this class. I was working for uh, two attorneys, Terry and Patrick Granger, and I would literally study 40, 50 hours a week on top of working. I took the bar exam, and I fell by 11 points. Mm -hmm. And... I remember calling a family member saying, you know, I'm never doing this again. And I, I was so discouraged because I had put the time in for law school. I had financially made sacrifices. And even just other sacrifices, you know, I would see some of my friends or people that I grew up with, I was thinking maybe they were having fun because they can go and party or enjoy things, or they're not necessarily studying till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I was honestly discouraged, but you go that far, what's 11 points, right? Mm -hmm. So the second time I took it, I was working for Bonnie Russell, who was the council member in university district at the time. And um, council member Russell, or former council member Russell, she was actually up for re-election. And we were doing petitions, knocking on doors, throwing political events to raise money. Luckily, she ended up not having a candidate, but you still always run as though someone could run against you. And I was studying for the bar in the middle of working for Council Member Russell's campaign. And I passed the bar the second time around. I did not honestly think I passed the second time because... First time I quit my job, I wholeheartedly spent all of my time and my effort studying. But I I think I started out by saying that there's countless times that I failed. I think for that, though, it's the embarrassment of most people who you're close to, they're going to ask you, did you get your results? Did you pass? And it's no, because it one, you don't get the results overnight, which is That's a whole nother story in itself. It's a pain to wait, you know, two or three months to get the results. And then you have to wait for the next exam to be offered. And then even the second time I said, I'm not spending twenty five hundred dollars again because I legitimately did not have the money. Mm -hmm. But that is probably one of the biggest failures that I've experienced. But I I don't even know if I take it as a failure, you know, to human and man we would say that's a failure, but for me, it's just a part of the process for me and the part of my story. And I think even that humbled me to the extent of, you can be 11 points away to something that you've been urging and working for, for basically seven years, you figure undergrad, four, law school, three. But like I said, thank God I passed it the second time. But for me, it's just part of the process, it's part of my story. I wouldn't take it again, though. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Efe's laughing in the corner. It's like, I will not be moving from New York State. I don't want to care about reciprocity, another state. No, I am a New York State resident. I passed the New York State bar. I'm not going anywhere else. But I, I really think that that's important to share with people. Because a lot of times, you know, you'll speak even to Law students are people who feel like they're interested and it's always, I don't know if it's true or if it's just a rumor or if it's a scare tactic, but people always say New York State and California are the two most difficult places. I don't know if that's true, but I think it just shows you, you know, you can get kicked down, you can have failure if that's how you define it and still come back. I I just don't get knocked down easily, so... 11 points. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Judge, I, I really, from the depth of my heart, I want to say thank you for sharing that. And that is so personal because, you know, I believe my wife will allow me to share this, uh, that when she wrote the, our bar exam the first time, mm-hmm. she failed it as well.
1: It's more common than you think.
0: You know, my wife went to, and and this is a point where I really want to be proud of my wife. You know, she went through law school. She had a f- our first kid a month before starting law school. And she gave birth to our second kid the first summer of law school. We have pictures of going for conferences with her eight months pregnant, and I would be the bodyguard, you know, <laughs> all in my suit and my tie, just didn't have my glasses at that time, <laughs> you know, um and and I was just, I was getting back to medical school myself, we didn't have as much help around, so, we, you know, we would have to drive Uber and leave sometimes, you know, I would go to work, and then drive in the evenings and all night so we can make some money to get the kids in daycare so she can study and things like that. And when she wrote that exam and failed it, it felt like the entire world came crumbling. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, it was challenging. Having to replan, to rewrite the exam, no. it was not the trajectory our life was hoping to go.
2: Right.
0: Fast forward a few years. Today, my wife is doing incredibly well in our career as an attorney.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, stories like yours, we didn't have one at that time to listen to. But if we had a story like yours to listen to, it would have been so much more relieving to at least help us be in that mental capacity where we can get back on the rodeo. And you know, along the journey, so many people that have been inspiring to her that helped her go along has been you as well as a couple of other judges at Judge Ogden, whose name we kept talking <laughs> about Definitely. last year, last time. <laughs> Hopefully she will be on this podcast sometimes um, in the future, in the near future. But the encouragement from your stories have been what has helped a an aspiring dreamer like my wife, despite the fact that she has two kids to take care of, to stay on that track and to stay focused and to endure the grit. And thankfully today we can look back and say, it was worth it. So thank you for sharing that. I have my own story too, something related, but I think today is about you. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: As you have encouraged, my story is coming out sometimes. I have encouraged
1: that. We all have a story to tell. I think yours is worth sharing.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So some of us, and this is the next question, some of us who are not as privileged as our peers, but who are hoping to transform the trajectory and history of our lineages often need to be to put a multi, uh, to put in multiple folds of the amount of effort that our peers invested, so that we can achieve a fraction of what our peers earned. Has this ever been true for you on your journey? I know you mentioned about when you had to study 40 to 50 hours while paying almost $3,000 for this prep course and also working at the same time and preparing for this bar exam while your peers sometimes would just could go and party all day every day, had the resources, didn't have to work to earn their living at that time. Um, can you share a little more about this, this kind of concept? Because it's very it's very popular amongst professionals and it's often demoralizing and discouraging Minorities or people that are less privileged in this field,
1: definitely. And you know, I'll, I'll take it a step further. Even past past the time when I passed the bar exam, um, one of my very first jobs, I worked with individuals who they came from families of attorneys, or they came from political families. So my last name is now Pridgen. I married Bishop Pridgen's son, who's also a pastor. So I think initially people always say, oh, is Bishop Pridgen your father? Or they confuse my relationship between my husband and my father. And I think my father-in-law, I think because people know the Pridgen name, they forget my maiden name is Pennington. And... My parents raised me to be a hard worker. My mother instilled in me the idea that education was for me. And people say it, and it's so cliche, but it's the fact that education is your key to success. I remember coming home maybe in sixth or seventh grade telling my mom about this program, Buffalo Prep, that I wanted to go to. And basically, with Buffalo Prep, you go to a summer program, and when you're in seventh grade, you do your regular school. And then in the summer, you go to Buffalo Prep, and it's the same thing for eighth grade. And, you know, my brothers, (laughs) they would pick on me. Why is Jay going to summer school? I thought she's smart. And I ended up completing Buffalo Prep, and I got a scholarship to go to a private high school, Holy Angels, That experience from high school, and then translating that over to even one of my first legal jobs, when you have people who are sitting at the dinner table talking with their children about, this is where you're going in 15 years, or their families are political families, they plan differently than us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my mother, even to this day, Like reading, I remember saying to my mom sometimes, how do you spell this? Or what is, what is, you know, what is this for me? Kids nowadays don't know what a Webster's dictionary is or a thesaurus. My mother would say, go get the dictionary. And I would get so frustrated with her because I would say, why would I go get the dictionary? I don't know how to spell it. (laughs) Thankfully, she did that because in the process of looking up what I did not know, I was then taking in additional information. But I find that even now, you know, I, I'm definitely blessed, I'm fortunate to be in this position, but we can sometimes still be worlds behind our counterparts. And I think when I realized that, it made me say, okay, well, so and so already has this political connection, or so and so can put on their resume intern this place because their mother and father go to the same country club as this other individual and of course they can do an internship over the summer i have to work where i'm getting income i don't have money just to say oh sure i can come and sit there for you know the entire summer but that still consistently happens but that really motivated me to say Okay, I don't have what they have. I just have to work two hundred times harder, mm. and I still do it. You know, it—it's mm. the gift and the curse. Like I was reading my emails probably last night at ten fifteen. Very bad habit, but
0: <laughs> and Say it's, it's a doctor.
1: I one of the <laughs> it was another court employee. She was emailing me to tell me something, and I responded in three minutes. Oh, judge, you shouldn't be responding. Well, yeah, and. Nah. But I I will never allow someone to outwork me. I will never afford someone the opportunity to say I don't have good work ethic. And I think because I realized that some of our counterparts could come in because they had certain last names Mm -hmm. or because they had certain connections. And I didn't come to the table with that. It made me, like I said, do things 200 times hard. And I still do it now. Oh, your last name, it doesn't matter what my last name is. Like I, being in this position, and I said this to you before, it's not something that I take lightly. It's a lot of responsibility, and I don't want to be the last. Mm-hmm. But that still happens. We just have to be be aware mm-hmm. that that happens. And once we recognize it, we have to work towards Putting ourselves on equal playing fields.
0: That's very interesting. And you know, uh, on a lighter, on the lighter note, I think my wife needs to meet your mom.
1: <laughs> Does Ife do the same thing? My son. Oh my goodness! My boys have
0: a Webster dictionary. Oh. <laughs> it comes home with words, and he. It- Flips to look for i her. saw
1: Eve sit up a little bit i'm thinking why is she sitting up straight when we're talking about the webster
0: my wife dirty
1: it, dri- it would drive me nuts and i mean at least now like my my 11 year old has a cell phone so you can google but i'm saying you actually had a dictionary like pages you had to turn i mean this thing was thick it would oh drive it's i know like
2: this it's a big size' of-
1: I believe it. Was we it, had encyclopedias. Is it red?
0: Is yours? Was yours red? Mine's
1: was like a brown color.
0: Because my, my kids is red. I
1: have to ask my and mom I if she still has I it. I was to check the first letter, and then the next letter that comes after it. <laughs> I mean, that's just how I grew up. Uh, yes, and I, I, I grew up very else. similar. That I don't know why. I love my mom, but... <laughs> I will try not to do that to my kids. <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? That makes me feel better that Ife does this as well. The next generation of Websters, right?
0: <laughs> Poor when, kids. Just like you said, you learn more words. It can When he's reading more, one word like, learns more. And, and it's like,
1: That's oh, true. That they'll come back in 15 years and thank you for it so thanks mom
0: (laughs) you know i think this today's conversation is far from an interview it's more like a family meeting it's true so it's true ladies and gentlemen you are also actually listening (laughs) to my wife (laughs) in this episode under the radar Uh no i think i i love where this is going i think a lot of um a lot of uh, us out there, and a lot of parents, a lot of moms are listening to this and you know picking up something, or just laughing at themselves as well.
1: Get that websters. You know?
0: <laughs> 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 I think we need to have like a a a, a, a sponsorship for websters because we are selling websters today. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, sharing this, uh, Your Honor. We, we appreciate that. Um, the next question is what are some of the greatest sacrifices that you gave in order to succeed
1: I'd probably say just time even now you know this the second time around with me becoming chief it was different than the first time when I was appointed um I, I know that my husband supports me in my career choices and my dreams. And then the same thing with my children. Um, my 11-year-old, Jordan. Jordan was probably three when I first got on the bench. And then Journey's, who's six. This is all she knows. Mommy is a judge, and sometimes Mommy has to work. Sometimes Mommy goes to functions. Uh, about a month ago, I was helping out another judge, and I find myself back in Buffalo City Court about 8.39 o'clock at night. And I told Jordan to go sit in one area of my office. And I told Journey to turn on Disney Plus on the TV in Mommy's office. And I finished working. A lot of it right now is sacrifices for my family. And that can still be difficult because sometimes a six-year-old, it's funny, they were saying, Who's on the phone more, mommy or daddy? I swear they were going to say my husband. <laughs> See, he is a workaholic. He said, like, oh, mommy's always on the phone. And I think now that I've even become chief and then I supervise 11 city cores, I'm always checking my email. I'm always working late. So that's a sacrifice even when it comes to my family. But I hope even in me saying to the girls, You have to come back downtown or it's a school break and you have to go downtown to work with mommy. I hope that I'm still teaching them life lessons. And it's not about you have to go to law school like mommy. You have to be a judge like mommy. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were times (laughs) where Jordan, Jordan has come to court and it's similar to the table she's actually sat underneath the bench and she puts her headphones on and she knows mommy's going to do these 15 cases and you have to be quiet. And, I mean, she enjoys coming to court, but I think the, the time and the family sacrifices are really the biggest things. You know, when you're at dinner on Thanksgiving, and especially now I look at my cell phone and it's there's a judge calling or there's some, you know, detective calling for a search warrant. For me it's really a blessing that my family supports me but th- those are really the biggest sacrifices now but I know that they're what I'm sacrificing now I truly believe that in the long run it'll all come back to be a blessing for me and even for my family
0: I think time is one of the biggest things that we that we sacrifice because we all have 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. I always liken this to having $100 for every single person. You cannot speed that dollar over. Whatever you don't use that day is gone. And when you have so much expenses, you have to select something asked to suffer Mm -hmm. for something to be attended to. And, you know, a lot of times those sacrifices become the challenges of pursuing our dreams. Right. It's always helpful to have family and friends who support us, mentors, neighbors who believe in our dreams and are there to empower us and pull us through. But that does not mean that sometimes on that path we will not encounter those things that we really, really, really want to hold on to. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But we have to let go of so that we can stay on that track.
1: It can be difficult. Yeah. It's a balance, definitely, which I, I have to admit I'm still trying to learn. And sometimes I even have to remind myself, I the first, maybe the first month that I was chief, I was still presiding over domestic violence court. And we would do, I mean, pre-COVID, I would easily have over 100 cases a day every single day
0: 100 cases in one day
1: every day and there would be times where i would do my 9 30 calendar and i was pretty punctual so if i didn't start right at 9 30 9 45 the latest and there were days where my morning calendar would go until 2 15. afternoon court starts at two o'clock and my clerk would say to me judge you want to go get something to eat you need to use the restroom nope Call, call the next case. Oh. And I have a lot of, I guess, bad habits from working in the DA's office. Like, in my mind, food is for the weak, right? It's like, just <laughs> go, go. And it, those are terrible habits. Yeah. But I think ultimately learning how to balance. balance. Because now it's I, – I ultimately said – even though domestic violence court was a passion and it, it was difficult work, it's emotionally draining. Even though you're sitting there, it's physically draining. And I said to myself one day, Of course I can do this. I can be the chief judge of city court and I can do, say, 50 cases a day. After about three weeks, I said to myself, I can do both, but I'm not doing things effective. Mm. So instead of saying, oh, let me be the superstar chief, let me be the superstar DV judge, Mm -hmm. I had to relinquish it. Mm -hmm. And I love being in court, so that was really a difficult thing for me. But I don't want to do so much of everything that I'm actually doing nothing. Like you have Mm -hmm. your hands in all these different pots. Mm -hmm. You know, pass the baton and allow someone else the ability to make their imprint on things, but the balance is going back to, you know what we originally started talking about. Time is something you sacrifice, but I think if you balance it, you can figure it out. It's just a work in progress, because I'm still trying to sort it out myself.
0: Here at Success Clinic, we just wanna say thank you. Thank you for making the date with us again today. I hope that you're having an amazing time and capturing the golden treasures contained in this episode. We know how valuable your time is and we truly appreciate it. We also wanna send a shout out to those of you out there who have been engaging with us, sending us feedback on how these conversations have transformed your lives and how they have become a manual for your own journey to success. Thank you as well to all of you who have been providing commentaries and sharing the word and episodes with your friends, families, and communities. Your effort is a priceless gift to us. Your engagement makes our dreams come true by facilitating the exponential expansion of the impact that this podcast is having on our community. This way you continue to inspire us to give our best to this cause. We're truly grateful and we look forward to even greater opportunities to serve you better eshe dalu mercy thank you now let's get back to the episode thank you thank you and you've talked also talked about <coughs> relationships we've talked about you know mm-hmm. you would love to be there with the kids much more you prefer to have the kids study at home you <laughs> ha- prefer to have the kids you know at least in their comfortable couch at 7 pm but sometimes you they have to be in that your office at 930 just because you have to finish that work and in and of itself is a huge sacrifice that you take. to just continue to strive to maintain this path of excellence and to show us, coming after you, that this is how it's done. Are there any additional ones that you think are quite uh, monumental that many youth out there in law school now or pre-law or just graduating from law or just starting their careers will very likely encounter that may be a moment that would shake their faith or shake their dreams and make them question did i did, did i think well before taking this back
1: honestly i'd say don't second guess yourself i just had a conversation in my 6 year old journey so amazing she was reading mm-hmm. something and she was sounding it out and i think the word was classic So she's looking at the C and the L, Nikla, and then Mm -hmm. she's sounding out the rest of the word. And then she looked and said, Mommy, I know, don't second guess myself. If you have your heart set on something, don't second guess yourself. You know, things that are obstacles on a Monday in 2023, you look back and say 2025, And those were the things that pushed you to your greater destiny. Mm. And I know when you're sitting in that moment, it's, I'm a failure, or I did bad on this exam, or I failed the buyer exam, or just, and life happens. I mean, since I've even, I mean, I, countless things I can think of. I've had a child since I've been on the bench. And I think with Journey, I took off maybe three months Versus with Jordan, I was a prosecutor, and I took maybe six or nine months. Looking back, I say, as a mother, you don't get that time back. So it's Mm -hmm. you beat up on yourself Mm -hmm. that you only took three months versus a year or six. You know, there's always going to be things like that. Um, Family things come up. You know, we we lost my mother-in-law a year ago to breast cancer and. I had to say to myself, like, I remember going to work the one day and I think it just hit me. And I'm such an advocate for, I told you about my biological father and mental health. I'm such an advocate for if you need to talk to somebody, if you need counseling, do it. Doesn't mean that, you know, you're quote unquote crazy. Doesn't mean something's wrong with you. And I think in the initial days of her passing, I of course I'm strong. I can handle anything. You know, I can go to work the very next day and nothing's wrong with me. And I remember I I looked at a text from my husband when I was on the bench and I immediately jumped up off the bench and I went in my chambers and I was just sobbing because I I knew she was gone, but it hit me then. Mm -hmm. And it's for me, it's I encourage other people to go talk to somebody, I encourage other people to take care of their mental health. But I have to do, you know, you have to practice what you preach. So, you know, don't second guess yourself. Take care of your mental health. Mm -hmm. You know, these are difficult careers. There are still times when I walk into a room and I am the youngest, I am the only female. If not, I am the, (laughs) I'm both categories, right?
0: Youngest, female, black. Mm-hmm. Also, and that happened, right? Everything. And
1: I'm checking off those boxes, <laughs> right? But for me, it's become a norm. So I'm so accustomed and used to, to doing that now. Mm. But I still walk into the rooms and, you know, it's not about being nasty, but I know who I am. Mm. And you have to know, who, and it, it changes all the time. The person Mm -hmm. who's sitting here now i was not the same person in 2015. but you also have to recognize that you're constantly growing Mm -hmm. i would imagine when my oldest daughter is 20 right Mm -hmm. i'm probably going to be a different person because you continue growing whether it's in your marriage as being a parent even you know what i do in buffalo city court but at the end of the day don't second guess yourself you Mm -hmm. know you, you have a path god is very strategic I don't believe that he makes any mistakes. Things don't happen by coincidence. If God put that on your heart as your dream, God will figure it out for you. He'll open up the path. I mean, even for me, I know I had always said I wanted to be a judge. And when I tell you the moment everything happened for Judge Ogden, it's like, it's almost like Moses parting the Red Sea. <laughs> when I tell you I had... And, and I don't want to sound arrogant, but there were literally no obstacles for my judgeship in 2015. Like the timing was perfect, the support from the community, political people giving me the support. I mean, it's just, it's still for me really unthinkable. And mm-hmm. even now, you know, God put this on my heart. And when I tell you, it, liter- it was just a clear path. And I, I can't speak for other people, but... I just never looked back. Don't second Mm. guess it. Mm. have to have that confidence in yourself.
0: Are you familiar with imposter syndrome? (laughs) (laughs) Of course.
1: (laughs) Of course.
0: Being black, being female, being the youngest jurist at that time. And of course, I know there are several rooms you've sat in where you have been the youngest. Mm -hmm. And... I know I can imagine how intimidating that will be Absolutely. at some point. you know, Of course you've grown and you've found some tools that help you to grow out of that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of young, talented dreamers are facing that at this moment. I do experience it myself in medicine,
2: mm-hmm.
0: young, black. And you walk in there and you have this accent and you look the way you look and you look around the table or across the table and there is no one that looks like you. And every time you have, you have to ask a question, you have to practice that question like 10 times in your head <laughs> and you still open your mouth and it still doesn't sound right the way you present it to you. you know? mm-hmm. And many a times those experiences just sinks us. For so many, they've given up on that dream because they've felt incompetent. Match day. When I saw the email that I'd imagined to neurosurgery, I was in bed for an entire week. Until my kids told me, Daddy, <laughs> Daddy, you're thinking you should go and shower. Shut up. <laughs> and so many of us find ourselves in just bitten down by imposter syndrome. I mean... We've come this far, but during those moments, it feels like it—it it feels like everything was given to us, free of charge, even though we indeed worked our butts out mm-hmm. to get to where we are, and we are valuable. And just we just want to have you. And I—I I, I wanted to go a little bit extensively in that path, because I've heard. We've had some feedback from people that saying, The Real Dope Doctor, you're, your story is inspiring as well. You don't share as much of it during, in your interviews. And we want to hear a little bit more. And I felt like, you know, the best gift I can give to the audience who are listening to us is to be genuine and to be vulnerable. Because I am in no way better than anyone listening to this. We are all on the same journey together, climbing And I think that your journey and journeys of people who have gone ahead of us, like you, can empower us. So I wanted to throw that on the table to ask you, how have you experienced imposter syndrome? If you could be as specific as possible of things, of experiences that you think that many people like, like the mini youth are going to be experiencing or currently experiencing, Or have experienced. And what are the things. And the tools and the tricks that helped you. To grow out of those.
1: What's funny as you were. (laughs) Telling that story. I said wait a minute he's taking my story. He's saying everything (laughs) I was about to say. But I think you know. Everything that you just said is. So familiar. When you're saying you're sitting in meetings. And you look around the room. You're the only one who looks like you right. And then. You practice in your mind what you're going to say or you do a note in your cell phone or you practice in the mirror the night before. I still do that. (laughs) (laughs) And then when it comes out, as you said, it's still not the way that you think it should have been communicated. I think the biggest thing is, though, just building confidence in yourself. I make sure that I have people who can mentor me mm. to definitely guide me. And, and I said this a couple minutes ago. I'm not the same person I was in 2015. It's almost like a roller coaster and you can be on a high and then a low and you know whether you change like there's mentors that I have now that are not the same mentors from 2015. So I think that's even something too, as you proceed in your career at different stages, and everything has a season, right? Mm-hmm. So not to say that I don't need those people who were there in 15 or even prior, but having people who can mentor you and building the confidence. Because I guarantee you, if I have a meeting next week, I'll be practicing <laughs> what <laughs> I'm going what I'm going to say, but. I said this even earlier about I, I have to sell my best self, right? Mm-hmm. And I have to have the confidence in what I'm saying. And eventually, you just get used to it. Like, I expect to walk into rooms and be the only person who looks like that. It's so just now
0: you expect it.
1: Wholeheartedly. I do. It's, it's, it's the norm for me. I don't even think about it because I've had to do it for so long. I mean, I will say I sit on a couple of boards and, you know, things are very diverse compared to maybe 15 years ago, even in um, the court system. So things are definitely moving in the right direction. But you just get to a point where you just suck it up into what you have to do. And that even may sound sound a little bit harsh, but I think it comes with the territory. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we don't want to be accountable or we don't want to accept what comes with the territory
0: that we choose to. pursue. Right.
1: Like I there are days where just due to my role, I have to say something to someone and they don't like what I'm saying. That's the price that it costs to be in leadership. Mm. There are some days <laughs> where I have maybe other employees upset with me. And it's not about, again, being nasty, but it comes with the territory. Leadership is, it's a different ballgame, and I'm learning that every single day. I know what you said when I, it kind of made me chuckle because I said, oh, I've been at those same tables. Mm. Been at those same tables.
0: Mm. You were about to give a very powerful nugget about as you grow, the kind of mentorship you need
1: absolutely evolves Wanna talk a little
0: bit about that in about thirty seconds to one minute? I think no, that's I super do. powerful.
1: So I know and my husband and I talked about this recently. I know lawyers, I know police officers, I know state police. Like that is my circle. I know law enforcement. People outside of my circle <laughs> it's very limited, it's probably family. Mm-hmm. So I have tried to take myself outside of even my comfort zone, mm-hmm. because if I'm around the same people all the time, you're really not giving yourself room to grow. And I get mm-hmm. it, it's, it's that comfortable place where, okay, it's my safe zone, they'll understand what I'm saying. But sometimes stepping out of that and having mentors who are even outside of what you do, whether it's corporate, you know, I I legitimately don't know many doctors who look like you. Mm. And yeah, that's, that, that's an issue for many, for many different reasons. But I've tried to go outside of my typical branches of people who I could probably learn something from someone in terms of leadership who, say, a school principal. Right? Mm-hmm. It's totally different from law, but there's leadership skills that you can learn. So one of my friends, she works in the school system, and she's someone who I would take advice from because there's still leadership qualities and characteristics that I can still translate, even though working for the court is totally different. Mm. You're still dealing with people. Yes right? I mean, even in there's things that you may do in a corporate setting that you may not do in a private setting, Mm. but having those mentors and people who can pour into you, and even if it's, you know, and I said this many times that I'm a spiritual person, you even have to have me, somebody who, and I mean, my list is very, very short of who I allow to speak into me prophetically or when it comes to you know um spiritual matters but even that like you have to have those people who can pour into you because when you're constantly pouring out you'll find yourself empty and for what we're doing a half cup isn't going to get it half half glass like i need to be filled up
0: overflow overflow right (laughs) well thank you so much that that is that is super powerful and I think what I got from there which I believe our audience might want to pen down is in addition to the fact that our our mentor or mentorship needs evolves as we go on in our journey mm-hmm. sometimes you may not find the perfect mentor for you and in such circumstances you want you can find the closest to what you need and make do of it. Sometimes the same attributes, the same characteristics that you're looking for Mm -hmm. might be in a different box, maybe not the same box you are hoping to find it. You just have to take that little extra time to identify those real characteristics and then translate the word you mentioned, translate them into how that could suffice for what you need to grow. Definitely. Thank you so much um one last question for this section which is would you consider any steps you've taken on your path a mistake that if you were to reflect or do it you might have wanted to take a different path or a different variant of that decision
1: When I look back to when I was in law school, I went to school in Lansing, Michigan, and I've always been somewhat of a loner. I don't have, I mean, my best friends are my cousins, Mm -hmm. my husband, right? I don't have many people. I can go through my cell phone. I probably have 500 telephone numbers. Not five of those people, I would say, are my friends, so to speak when i was in law school i think one of the biggest things that i regret is not being more outgoing in the sense of uh, student organizations or even networking and then when i came back to buffalo i was so focused on work passing the bar getting a job Mm -hmm. i did not make those proper connections Which is, for me, I I know that I'm certainly blessed because with me not going to say UB, for example, there were so many contacts that I did not have even though I was from Buffalo. But I think if I could go back and change anything, I would make sure that I did more networking, um, trying to make more contacts or maybe being part of more student groups because those contacts really do matter. And sometimes it's just by word of mouth oh, you know, oh, there's a posting for such and such. And that's how sometimes opportunities may fall into your lap. But th- that's probably the biggest thing that I regret doing is not making additional contacts or networking.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So for career, for growth, making those connections are always important. Mm-hmm. Sometimes some connections you make Today you never can tell how they will come back handy for you in the future. Very true. I don't know about you, but I think the past 50 plus minutes has been incredibly powerful and inspiring. My notepad is exhausted (laughs) and my life is truly transformed. If you were truly blessed by any part of Honorable Judge Jahar Pridgen's path to excellence, or you feel that some part of the story relates with you and you are willing to share with the world on this platform, please reach out to us mostly preferably on our website at www.success-clinic.com. On the website, visit the community room where you will find the contact form to fill and our team will get back to you as soon as possible. You can also search for us At the Real Dope DR, again, at the Real Dope DR on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or TikTok. And don't forget to join us next week for the concluding episode of Honorable Judge Jahar Pridgen's journey from Cold Street to the Courthouse, where she empowers us by sharing some golden lessons from her path to excellence that we can use. To facilitate ours. Until then, stay blessed, stay inspired. I remain yours, the real dope doctor, Daniel Oluwagbimileke. Wola, God bless you.